Ever heard of a podcast where one of the hosts has no idea what's going on? Well, now you have. Welcome to Unprompted, the show where one of the hosts shows up completely unaware of the conversation topic for the episode. From technology to society to history, life, and more, each episode features a unique topic and the hosts unravel the details together using nothing but their background knowledge and past experiences. Hosted by Luke Bogus and Jared Arts, we hope you enjoy today's Unprompted Conversation. We're back, baby. Year three. We're back. <laughs> yeah. Season three. <laughs> yeah, we've been a little been a, bit of a break. Just a little bit of a break. A lot of life things have happened recently. Uh, your girlfriend mm-hmm. graduated, which is huge. Congrats to her. Yeah. Thank you, fiance, by the way. Oh, that's right. Jeez. <laughs> Great correction. Oh, my God. Fiance. In the past. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Holy cow. Yeah. Lots of life things have happened. Uh, yeah. Except for that was a while ago. But uh, yeah, and, and then on my side, nothing has happened. I've just sat here pretty much. Uh, You're living your best life in Seattle. I mean, what more can, could a man ask for? That is true. It's been a lot of NBA. I've been watching a lot of the playoffs, watching a lot of TikTok per my MO. Um, yeah. Got to in, ingest that culture. That's true. And I've been just doing mad research for our next podcast episodes. Just absolutely grinding on uh you know reading scientific papers and just getting my rigorous research completed so we can have the best possible episodes possible yes and but you know luckily for everyone luke's not doing this episode so there won't be any (laughs) so i'll spare i'll spare you of all of my research and scientific knowledge uh for next next week when we'll expect it we'll expect (laughs) it very heavily but uh yeah i guess i don't know i mean those are the life updates. I guess we can kind of get into uh, get into the topic which I had to bring this week, um, and this is not rigorously researched. This is just something that I kind of wanted to talk about with you. Get our get our like thoughts a, on. I feel like that's a theme. It's just like as a caveat here, there is no research backing any of our claims, but we shall continue anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's we have we have knowledge, we have thoughts. Like we're not. We're not fools most of the time, but you're not. Yeah, a fool. I mean, I'd, 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 I'd look some of some of what we say up before you before you include it in your scientific papers, because otherwise you'll write a scientific paper. Luke will reference the scientific paper in our next one. That's something that we said without claim, and then it will just circle. Mm. And eventually, I mean, we'll just have this this echo chamber, the unprompted echo chamber, with our <laughs> billions of followers. Just we'll slowly yes. corrupt them if we aren't careful. <laughs> but uh yeah and so yeah i just wanted to talk get get our thoughts because i guess like get right into it what i want to talk about today is like economic panics recessions depressions downturns things like that volatility i mean i think there's a little bit of an obvious reason why i'm bringing this up at this time Um, inspired perhaps yeah for people listening in 2500 ad or i guess ce uh we're recording this on may 17th 2022 uh and there's a lot of market volatility right now and there's chatter whether it you know not saying it's moving one way or the other but chatter about the possibility of an economic downturn, whether it be a recession, some people talk about 
terrible depression, whatever, caused by, you know, combinations of supply chain effects on uh, companies due to COVID, due to the war in Ukraine, um, and various other kind of disruptions around the world. Uh, so this is interesting because we, as uh, Gen Z, 23-year-olds, we lived through 2008 in the Great Recession, but we didn't really have any financial know-how at that time. I think that, you know, it might have affected us, at least me personally. I don't have any memory of it affecting me personally, like, and that probably just because I was young and didn't know anything. Um, and so we've never really lived through it. And so this is kind of a, this, our first, it might be, I don't want to say anything definitive, it might be one of our first experiences with like economic, uh, a real economic um, downturn. Uh, and it's kind of maybe our first time with this much market volatility, uh, especially over the last two years, uh, starting kind of in 2020, there was the big downturn. But after that, it was strong growth. And now we're starting to see market volatility again, which is can be concerning to young people who have only ever seen quite a bit of growth in their portfolios. So yeah, that's kind of the gist of it. Just want to talk about those kinds of things in general. Maybe we can talk a little pretty generally about some other ones that happened in history that I might have some knowledge of. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the, 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 the long and the short of it. So Luke, what are your thoughts on, um, on the upcoming depression? <laughs> <laughs> the greater depression. Um, yes, yes. I, I think what's really interesting, because like, yeah, you made the analogy to 2020. Cause, I mean, obviously everyone was freaking out back March, April when things were just absolutely tanking because of the uncertainty. Like, you know, the classic saying is that investors and folks in the market don't like uncertainty. And so usually uncertainty maps to volatility in the market. But I think like an interesting thing here is because uncertainty led to volatility, obviously in 2020, but then when more certainty around the development of the vaccine, et cetera, et cetera, like the steady climb happened. And then obviously everything surpassed all that story. Now we're seeing the downturn. But like the interesting thing is like, I think the scary part about this time around versus like the potential downturns we've seen in our lifetimes, as far as like, I remember similar to you don't remember much from 2008. So like my recollections only really of like the 2010s and beyond when I started, I really understand ish this stuff. I feel like the difference this time is that there's not as much uncertainty. Like I feel like a lot of the downturn is equivalent to facts is equivalent to, you know, using like showing through the data supply chain sucks, showing through the data, inflation's hitting us, showing through the data, whatever else, literally a war is going on. Like all these things, I mean, obviously again, uncertain, but it's like, it's rooted in less about like, we don't know the impact of COVID. We don't know when the vaccine's coming out, like all those things that were talked about in 2020. It's just, it feels different now. It feels like we're looking at the slew of data, which typically maps to a recession, which is kind of what we're seeing now. So that's like been the biggest thing I've noticed too. It's just like the inform like the downturn has mapped to real information and not always speculation um, or as much so anyway. So I don't know if you feel the same vibes but I just feel like this time just feels different because it's like we can look at definitive data that's telling us, yeah, yeah, this might be actually right. Yeah, I think that maybe that's an interesting point to bring up because something that that kind of brings up is like if you look at things in the past like the 2008 recession the great depression any number of different recessions 
I feel like there's there's some common thread of like the shit hits the fan when the facts line up with the speculation. So it's like this this speculation, this uncertainty in like 2020, people were really uncertain about what was all going to happen. And when we started to see recovery earlier than we expected, we started to see that people could work from home um, and be productive and this and that and whatnot. That uncertainty eased. And then there wasn't this great recession caused by COVID at that time um, because there were no facts to back up the speculation. But if you look like in 2008, you had the subprime mortgage crisis. And when that all became fact, when that was all revealed, the true scope of that situation, everything went to hell because like the facts and the speculation were aligned. And so it's, it's a little, in a, in a way, it's pretty disconcerting that there could be a similar situation where we're seeing these facts line up with, you know, warfare shortages around the world um inflation data um the fed seemingly seeming to have a lot of trouble dealing with inflation uh and you know kind of enacting this post 19 or 1990s style uh federal um regulation strategy that's been going on for the last 30 years um and so when all these seem to be aligning now obviously we're we're not saying one way or the other that something's going to happen, but it's a little, it's a little more concerning that we're seeing the facts line up with some of the speculation, um, because obviously when that happens, there's real reason to worry. There's real reason to sell. Um, there's real reason for businesses to tighten their belts, and so yeah, that's a really interesting point that you brought up. I hadn't actually really ever clicked that in my head before. The second thing that I think's been super interesting about how this time also feels different. And again, maybe it's just also because I'm to a point where I understand it more and I'm older and it impacts me. Now I have a job and I have to think about money and all that stuff. But like another one that's been super interesting is like, I feel maybe just taking a step back. I feel like as of late, obviously stocks have always been, you know, influenced by set it like sentiment, like, what folks think about a stock and like the value it could provide obviously influences the stock like that, you know, back in the maybe early two thousands was all just derived around hype. And, you know, you think about like the dot com boom and all that stuff. Right. And then that came crashing down. But like, as you start to come later in the 2010s, early 2020s, you know, you started to see things like GameStop where literally, you know, you had social media outlets and blogs because of, you know, this new wave of social media and the internet where people can interact with each other. Like, Stock price has always been influenced by sentiment, but like sentiment was mostly derived from in the past and like in the 2008 and all that time, like it was kind of derived what you you read in the newspaper, what you saw on TV and on the news, what you heard on the radio. But now, obviously, we saw in the meme stock boom, it's also derived from peer to peer and what just the normal Joe thinks and what catches wind online and what goes nuts. I think the interesting thing about what's also been happening in the past month is like the quickness of sharing sentiment and like being influenced by sentiment thanks to things like Twitter, Facebook, Reddit. Like I feel like this onset of, oh God, I think we're in a recession has been so fast. Like maybe I just missed the boat, but like two weeks ago even, 
I don't know if it, I, I, it wasn't even crossing my mind. Like, I'm not even sure if, I mean, you saw the inflation numbers. Yeah, sure. And everyone's like, oh, that's not good. And, you know, maybe some speculation. But I feel like in the span of a, even a week or two, my outlook and my opinion has totally flipped on like, oh, yeah, like this could be something that's possibly happening. happening. So I think it's interesting how, like, social media has also played a role in all this and just, like, access to information because it's now it's like, you know, you don't have to go through these refresh news cycles or like rely on the news source to, you know, impose a sentiment. And then you make up your mind and you go to the store and you go to people at work and you talk and you share your thoughts. And then that's how you come up with your feelings. It's like in the span of an hour, you can go from hearing something on Twitter, thinking about it, projecting your own thoughts on Twitter, having that be validated or disvalidated, which then leads to sentiment about what's going to happen, which then leads to people being able to go to their phones, places like Robinhood, and start selling off. Whereas also before, you didn't really have like that one-to-one access to your portfolios and making these financial decisions. So it's this also interesting culmination of, A, how fast you gain an opinion and sentiment on the topic. And B, going from sentiment to I'm going to change my financial situation or I'm going to pull out of the market or I'm going to do X, Y, and Z financial move. Like you can do that in a matter of an hour now, 30 minutes even. You can see a tweet and be like, oh shit, I'm going to sell off and sell your stuff, right? Like I think it's also really scary where if, you know, certain opinions take wind, um, which I think is also an interesting piece in this whole recession because if, you know, the right, the right theme is portrayed or the right, um, the right uh, narrative is also, you know, caught by a certain amount of people and the right actions are taken. It's like, that's also kind of a recipe for interesting um, where that, I don't know if we'd seen in the past either. So I'm not sure if you think about it that way, as far as like, it's almost not that it's like self-inflicted, but it's interesting how it can be uh, magnified, I guess, by the fact that we all have access to this information and have access to making the decisions ourselves without having to root it through like a planner or, you know, something else. I don't know. I'm, I'm curious what you think. Yeah, I think th- I think that makes a lot of sense in that the speed at which we're able to stumble into situations like this is increased. Like you said, because there's this the the cycle, this the the like cycle between something happening, being reflected on the news, you making decisions based on that becomes so much faster uh, in like 2022 as opposed to 2008 or. 1929 and so it is like a question of you know maybe you know i mentioned before like a lot of a decent amount of the feds like monetary policy like the way they want to control um how they want to control inflation to help keep like stable economies and stuff it's kind of born out of like the like the 1990s era uh and like i guess you could even structure it back before then into like the 1980s it's it's kind of a pretty conservative fiscal policy um wants to keep inflation around two percent that's our target do whatever you can to keep it around there and we'll have a stable economy kind of um i guess one of the problems here is that when you have this strategy this fiscal strategy um that was developed 30 years ago before the internet was even really a thing is that going to be able to adequately combat the difficulties in the the um, financial environment of a hyper connected like social uh, you know social networks and hyper connected world where the people the traders especially retail traders but also an extension of that large traders at firms have the ability to move so much faster than the Fed 
or any financial regulator or anyone who hopes to control it can move to counteract them. You know, obviously, like, the Fed doesn't meet that often. They don't raise interest rates that often. They're not doing it daily, uh, which, you know, there's obviously probably reasons for that. But I guess there's this question of, is our strategy for fighting um, this volatility and this uncertainty um, too old, too outdated to deal with the realities of the 2020s uh, where the environment can change by the hour, by the minute, um, and the, the Fed or the, any other regulator in Europe or China realistically can't change for months, right? Mm-hmm. That's an interesting theme, I feel like, across the government is how is uh, setting policy and laws based off of decisions and artifacts from not only tens of years ago, but hundreds of years ago, having our guiding light of a decision being made by a document written in the 1700s and like using that, those principles to, you know, facilitate laws and policies of the 21st century, I think is also just a broad sweeping problem uh, of the U S in general. Um, not only when it comes to fiscal policy. So that's super interesting. Cause like you're right, but I'm curious, like what, what would even be so for that use case, how is having a hyperconnected all the things that you listed off how could that influence a different like how how would that not make the whole two percent golden rule like different i guess like i'm curious like knowing the fact of like now that we're in a hyperconnected world 30 years later etc cetera, etc cetera, like what are like the key things that you feel is is missing i feel like it's not necessarily the fact that like the goal of you know keeping around two percent inflation is like a bad one but I think that the, the, the way that we go about attempting to achieve that goal is probably outdated. Um, and so, for example, if, if you have markets changing so fast that um, they are, they're kind of, they're reacting so quickly and then every, what is it, two months, three months, maybe there's emergency meetings at the Fed every month or something. Uh, which obviously they meet more than that, but you know, kind of the, when they raise interest rates is this, this long period of time. So what happens, I feel like now what we've seen is there's this huge amount of speculation in time leading up to these Fed meetings where they are, what is the Fed going to do? Well, we think they're going to raise interest rates this amount. We're going, all these stocks adjust to the speculation. If they don't do that, they can have a, 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 an opposite reverb effect on the market um, if they do exactly what they expect to do, that might have a negative impact just because that's how, how the market works sometimes, or it might stay the same. And so like one strategy for fighting this is obviously, you know, we talked about the, the cycle between you seeing something or something happening, you seeing it and affecting your trade or your, your fi- fiscal position increasing. So it's getting faster. And so an, an option might be for the Fed or for the government or whatever regulatory body we're talking about to also increase their cycle speed on how they deal with these problems. So that might mean, I'm not a financial expert, and so obviously I'm not saying this is gonna, would help in any way, but um, adjusting interest rates far more frequently on a weekly or monthly basis uh, to be more in sync with the current situation. 
Now, that obviously has a lot of ramifications because of the way our financial system is built up. But I feel like there's always just this chance of any the Fed might miss any move they make because they weren't fast enough. Because And people are talking about that right now. Like, they didn't raise rates soon enough. Like, they should have done it end of last year uh, when we started seeing inflation. Um, and that's obviously just a failure of, like, decision-making. But if they, let's say, they wait a couple months to make their next decision, well, they might miss the critical point in time that they needed to make a decision to avert a recession, whatever you want to call it, right? And so I feel like you... That's the biggest thing I see is like the slowness of response um, that could cause us to miss the moment when we need to act, which maybe the moment has passed and it doesn't even matter. But uh, it's just a thought of like, you know, it's hard to, to really know that. And so that is a that's the initial thing. I think I don't know if you have any other thoughts on that, though. <clears throat> yeah, no, I um, I mean, I, I I agree with you. Like, I think it's. I think it's just, I think that all, all around, it gets very interesting in the sense that like, we're even talking, I mean, we've, we've even said every single time you'd mentioned the recession, we've just already been like, well, maybe like, oh, it might be, but it's interesting how you're seeing all these companies come out. I mean, obviously we're seeing the layoffs and we're seeing all that in the news, but you know, you see even companies like Uber and Twitter, like putting out these you know, swathing like internal memos of like, oh, we're going to tighten the belt and we're going to cut all these things. Like, it's also interesting just at what point does it this become a like, oh, yeah, this is a recession. Like we we keep saying this pod like, ah, like all the, you know, the facts, the fact, the speculations are turning into facts and like we think it's going to happen and like look at the data and, and the, um, you know, all this inflation. But I'm curious what will be the moment to where we're going to say this is or isn't. I mean, obviously in 2008, I think, and granted, maybe this isn't, this is what I read in the history books, but it's like the Lehman Brothers, like that was the moment. Like the moment was when that big thing happened and it's like, oh yeah, shit, everything lines up. This is what we're seeing. Not good equals recession. I'm curious if there will be a defining moment like that for us or if it'll just be this progressive, you know, failure of decision-making or, you know, the rise in rates or whatever. And then we look back in September and be like, oh shit, we've been in this since March. Not good. Like, I guess now is a recession. So it's, I'm curious when we flip the switch of like, time to belt you know tighten our belts because we think it's coming to it's here and it's and we're gonna have to deal with this yeah that's an interesting thing to think about because like obviously there's like a there's like a financial definition of a recession right it's around like a certain amount of like declining gdp or like economic output over a certain period of time and so like there's always going to be this point where you say okay looking back yeah we're here we've made it to the recession but obviously like no one wants to wait until they're you know, in the middle of the river to start preparing to get in the boat. And so it's this question of how do we like predict it's coming? Like with 2008, with the, when, when the whole, all the, all the stuff went down, uh, people obviously knew like, oh, this is going to happen. Like there's no doubt that there's going to be a recession. Like, and so we can start preparing. And obviously in some ways that type of, you know, being so sure about it happening also feeds into it happening. Right. And so, mm-hmm. It's kind of like today, it's like one thought is like, well, if we just all agreed there isn't going to be a recession, then maybe there wouldn't be a recession. It's kind of like the whole thing of like everyone just agrees that like 
all the world just kind of agrees that everyone's in debt and realistically no one's ever going to be able to pay that back like government wise and like if if ever there was this collective like reckoning of like oh shoot like there no one's going to be able to pay their debts back like there'd be this whole <laughs> there'd be a problem uh so it's kind of like this collective ignorance like if we were all just ignorant and just accepted that they're you know everything's okay we just pretend it's okay maybe there wouldn't be a problem but obviously that's not how like complex systems like the financial system work but yeah i don't know it's it, it will be I feel like it's very difficult to uh, to pinpoint when we're there, except for at that point where we can look back and look at the data and say, yeah, we've been in this for whatever, five months, and we're definitely in this recession. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I guess like switching the topic though a little bit, do you feel if, let's just pretend, let's say we're going into a recession, do you feel like it changes anything for you personally? Obviously, like, we're, we're very lucky people. We have, you know, <laughs> good tech jobs and whatnot. And so, like, do, does it change any of your thinking? Uh, yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, my immediate response to that is, like, thanks to my privilege, no. Like, I am happy to work at a company where being laid off has never crossed my mind, knock on wood, but I, I, I don't fear for my job thanks to the size of the company, the stability of the company, how much money the company is making, not something that crosses my mind, A. B, I feel like you always grow up hearing, or at least all the financial advice I've ever gotten is, you know, regardless of the market activity, you don't ever want to play the market. Like there's all these studies around when, you know, people who put in money starting on, you know, I, I don't know, January 1st, 2008 versus people who start putting in money January 1st, 2009, like the January 8ers or 2008ers made X percent way more than the 2009ers because of just like this concept of you don't try to time the market, you always put money in. So like my approach to investing and all that stuff also wouldn't be any different. So it's like, A, I don't feel very threatened about losing my job, thankfully. B, I don't really think my investment strategy is going to change. And C, maybe I see things because of inflation where like I go to the grocery store and I get ticked that my bread's like $6. Like, I don't know if that's a, you know, if that's an outlet of I moved from Nebraska to Seattle and that stuff still just throws me off. But every time I go to the grocery store, I just absolutely just groan at how much I'm spending. Um, but I digress. So to answer it, no, I don't think so. Um, but... I like when I try to think about the impact that it could have on folks, like my immediately thought now is maybe it's just because this is I'm new to the workforce is like, I can't imagine what the threat of like, am I going to lose my job? Like I can't, I can't even fathom. Like that's the piece that I think is most scary because you have all these companies talking about tightening the belt. You're hearing about layoffs all the time. Like that's how I can start to envision it really impacting. Like I can't see, I guess I don't see a whole lot of implications of folks who keep their job but recession happens, what is the major impact on you personally? Like, I'm curious versus like if recession equals you lose your job, like I cannot imagine the impact that that has on you. And it just changes because it's like, you know, in tech, there's always this rhetoric around, well, well, if you go work for a startup and it fails, so what you get another job. But imagine if we're in a recession and no company's hiring, it's like you do a startup, the startup fails, you can't get a job like literally can't get a job. Now what? And it's like, that's when it starts to get really interesting of, you know, and that's just a startup 
example, but just in general around this thought of folks who are graduating maybe next year if we're still in the recession or, you know, if this started six months ago and folks who just graduated now are still looking for jobs, like that would get really interesting around like literally not even being able to find a position because nobody's hiring. So I don't know. And I guess when I think about impact, I instantly think about job availability and like losing jobs. But I'm curious how, A, do you think you're personally going to be impacted or if it happens? And B, like what does impact mean to you in general? Yeah. So I, I think I kind of it from a very similar perspective of you is like due to my privilege and like being in the position I'm in, I don't envision there being major like disruptions, negative disruptions. Uh, obviously, like I don't necessarily fear for my job like i like i don't I, like if if stuff really got bad i you know there's it's never beyond microsoft to cut people it's not like i have any personal affiliation with microsoft i'm just a cog in their wheel but uh so um i don't necessarily fear for like any major changes and like even though this is like c- kind of bad i also see it as like a time of opportunity for uh you know like i don't want to you know make it sound like obviously like recessions are not good for for people like in general they're not good things but i think that like due to you know some you know kind of previous workings and whatnot like there's a certain amount of cash that i have on hand that um would be beneficial in purchasing assets at lower prices um and so i feel like there is even though like obviously there there would be negative implications around um, what about people you know how are they get being affected negatively by it and how is that affecting your relationships and your uh, your um, kind of your 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 friendships and like the, your your wider broader spectrum but then like from like a personal financial perspective it's like there's a lot of opportunity around well what if you know SP five hundred drops a lot and you have the opportunity to buy some I mean generally things go back up uh, <laughs> it's probably not going to be a total societal collapse um and so yeah i feel like that there's this combination of like personally like the personal effects would probably be low kind of like the broader network social network could be affected in a negative way which obviously has implications um but then like personal fine like from a personal finance perspective i actually see it as kind of like an opportunity a period of opportunity which is you know kind of feels dirty to say or think about but like i mean just from like a raw like looking at the numbers thing it's kind of just how how things are i don't know if you if you feel that at all either or if you just block off that kind of uh that kind of selfish thinking from your mind yeah no i i guess when i think about opportunity too like i think one of the a little different than money i think like uh one of the interesting phrases i had heard about this which is kind of a COVID trend ish, but I think it's interesting how it's morphing into just like this overall trend and like almost theme thanks to the recession. I think it started as the great resignation where folks were thinking about, you know, well, now that I, you know, once you, because of, I mean, there's obviously because of COVID work and jobs got completely filtered down and scraped down to the job itself. These fancy perks, dinner parties, whatever, all went away overnight, of course, in 2020, and the work itself got filtered down to the job. And people realized, oh, this job sucks. So I'm going to resign and follow my passion. I'm going to resign and travel. I'm going to resign and do whatever. So it was this great resignation. 
for so long. I think what's really interesting in the last month, I've heard the term great realignment, which is obviously there is the, you know, facet of people who quit to follow their passions because of, you know, they had all this money and all this stuff. But then now you're kind of factoring in this piece of, it was the job like hunter's market to where if I hated my job and I wanted to find a job that boosted my passion, uh, yeah, I could start my own company and I could go freelance, I could do whatever. But there's also this plethora of job openings where I can apply to my dream job and do my dream thing. But now, so for a longest time, it was the person applying for the job who is most advantageous. But now it's like on the business side, because of the economic you know, uh, environment right now, they're doing the same, but in the sense that they're kind of trimming the fat of like, what are the roles and what are the positions and what are the departments that actually don't matter at all to the core? Like you mentioned, cog in the system. That's everyone who's going to work. So it's interesting where for the longest time it was, oh, job, like companies and jobs had to do whatever it took to retain the talent because this great resignation that people are going to resign and follow their passions and resign and go to their dream companies. Now it's the other way around where it's like businesses are looking at their workforce and saying, I don't really think we need these 20,000 people. So we're going to cut them and save cash. And so it's, it's interesting how now it's, you have the subset of people quitting for their passion. Now you have the subset of businesses who are just trimming the fat of their companies and businesses for the orgs that aren't making the most money and the positions that aren't making the most impact. So then it's going to push those people who get cut and everything to either a follow their passion and do the classic, you know, everyone always talks about the Uber and the Airbnb from 2008, how, you know, people took the opportunity of the downturn to make these crazy innovations. But it also makes you wonder about those people who are cut by these companies because these companies are tightening the belt. What are they going to do? And so I think that's where it gets really interesting as far as opportunity, as far as learning new skills, trying a new career, is boosting, you know, obviously entrepreneurship. But it gets, I think that's the interesting part is everyone all. Uh, I think I might have lost you. Hello. My okay. Wi-Fi. Oh, that was boy. terrible. Yeah, oh, that, boy. Was, uh, that was a little rough. That was a little rough. Not good. Not good. Why did my Wi-Fi do? My Wi-Fi is so ass, dude. Do you have Google Mesh? Yes, it's terrible. Okay. Everyone, announcement. My previous manager had Google Mesh. He found out that it has a huge problem with dropping, like, um, intermittent, like, giant latency spikes and dropping connections. Um, hmm. and it's actually like Google Wi-Fi, like that's the problem, uh, because he had it, he would always drop from calls and then he ended up having, he like switched to something else. Uh, I think that's what it was. So it happens all the time. I have, there's this app, there's the Google home app. I bought it cause I wanted to integrate with Google home. There's the Wi-Fi functionality. There is this concept of prioritizing a device on a network where you can give it the most. I cannot use my Wi-Fi and I cannot go to work. I cannot use, I cannot do this podcast without prioritizing the device I'm using. Isn't that sad? Like I, like I shouldn't have to prioritize the device just to have my shit work like I expect it to. Yeah, I, uh, pretty garbage. I'm gonna have to. I, uh, pretty, pretty disappointed. Thankfully I bought it refurbished, uh, so I saved like 50 bucks. So it's not gonna be that big of a blow, but I'm not sure where I cut out. Um, I'm not really sure where we wanna interject the pod for the rest of the episode, but, um, I think we're, we're just going to roll with it. 
your robot voice is going to be part of the podcast. Oh, it was robot voice. I, all I saw, yeah. so we're we're video chatting uh, right now to the listeners. All I saw was like, you just like looked down and then you didn't move for like 30 <laughs> seconds. And I was like, oh no, like I'm just talking to the void. And I just kept going and yeah. I realized I was gone. So I don't even know where I stopped. I was kind of rambling anyway, but the thesis was instead of great resignation where people are following those passions, it's this great realignment where people are following those passions but then there's also people just literally losing their jobs because corporates are tightening the belt and get rid of, getting rid of orgs and positions that don't matter. And so it makes it gets really interesting for this that subset of people. What do they do? Like, do they a follow the passion, start entrepreneur, b become entrepreneurs, start companies, etc.? Or b do they you know skill up and do these other positions? And you know, there's this whole boom of opportunity there. So that's what I guess what I want to get your take on is if you think about it the same way. Yeah, I think it's 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 interesting because you you're kind of like describing this another cycle of like if you know obviously like if companies cut what they see as unimportant jobs they're still right now trying to fill important jobs, right? A lot of companies are I'll just say it. Amazon really wants to fill engineering jobs in AWS. Don't think that's a surprise to anyone who works in cloud engineering <laughs> they really want to fill jobs obviously those jobs are important to them and they probably would continue to be pretty important so they probably still want to fill them even in um in an economic downturn but the divisions that are being cut probably aren't necessarily the same places where they want to hire so you see this problem where you have a lot of people looking for jobs but you also have jobs that aren't can't be filled by everyone. And so you have these bubbles that form where certain jobs, um, you know, maybe whatever departments their companies are deciding are not terribly important. Certain jobs are being cut more frequently than others. And so those become uh, low demand jobs that are hard to get. Whereas other jobs, maybe, you know, certain types of engineering jobs, for example, might become very might become very in demand where companies really need to hire them, but there's not that many people leaving because there's this uncertainty around um, just like the general economic environment. So people don't want to leave their jobs if they don't have to. And so you have like this, this dual sector in the economy in the jobs market where some jobs are easy to fill and there's too many applicants and other jobs, there's not enough applicants, um, but there's a lot of positions, um, but there's not that much crossover in the short term of those two pools uh, because you have to do like this retraining. And so it might be interesting to see how something like that plays out. Like, do we see, do we see something like that where certain jobs remain really in demand in this, like there's this cycle where companies are trying to cut these positions to hire these other positions. Those positions don't get hired because there's not that many applicants. And this just like continues going. It's kind of this, this, this movement toward these high return positions that make the companies a lot of money and trying to maximize as many of those as possible um, and kind of shooting themselves in their foot maybe uh, by cutting other jobs that they think aren't important but maybe aren't in the long term mm -hmm. yeah it's like i think it's part of basically all we know is a bear is a bull market essentially like in our entire like my main memory plus this fact that we work in tech and so there's always this you know, extra bull market around tech. It's like, I've never, I've never experienced or seen an environment where like, it's not the 
applicants market, I guess. Like mm-hmm. everything I've ever been told about being working in tech and just in general, like if you want a job, just kind of apply for it as far as like um, with the tech goes, like you just, you, you know, you level up, you jump companies, you get more money, et cetera, et cetera. Like that's just like kind of the standard tech playbook. And so it'll be interesting to see if that does morph into that's uh, not really the playbook anymore because not a whole lot of companies are hiring or like, oh, it's not the playbook because, you know, you're having this whole group of new people upskilling and learning and you know, all of a sudden there's broader saturation. I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be, but um, it'll be interesting to see how it affects like tech, obviously, like we were talking about, but just also just the general kind of like job market um, in both ways. So I don't know. And it's also interesting just approaching all of this from the lens of, again, working at a big company and making, a you know, very happy amount of money and like not feeling like my job's at risk. Uh, it's interesting talking about it from that perspective, knowing that 99% of the population does not have those three things backing up. Uh, and this fact that we're 20 and we really have no strings attached. We don't have kids to feed. We don't have, I mean, you have a house. I don't, but like, I don't have a car. Like, you know, there's all these things where I don't have these strings attached where like if worst case scenario, I don't have to pay off all these major debts. You know, I left college with not a whole lot of debt. Like, you know, that, those kind of things, I feel like there's just puts us in this extra sub 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 category of if worst case scenario, I'm not going to be that and in, in, you know, inflicted anyway. Um, mm-hmm. but then you layer on the cake where if I was in my shoes, but I had, a house, a car, and a kid. If I was in my shoes and I was not in tech, if I was in my shoes and I was making 50K less and you know all this stuff, that's when it starts to get into the realm of, yeah, I could see how this uh, potential recession could really impact me. Um, so yeah, interesting to think about. Yeah, it's uh, it will be interesting to see how things go. I mean, I think it's gonna be a, these past few years have obviously been really like important historically. Like I think that this, this period in history will probably get at least a paragraph in future history books, which is a pretty mm. big accomplishment. Um, Huge. And so we'll have to we'll have to see what happens. I mean, we'll have to keep tracking this in our podcast and see where things are at. Um, obviously, like in June, July, August, September, things will be very different throughout that time period. So, I mean, it will just be interesting to track this kind of in real time um, at a point in our lives where we're able to kind of recognize and understand things a little better than maybe in 2008, 2009. So, uh, but I think that probably, I mean, that can wrap up our ramblings on things we don't know that much about, uh, for the day. (laughs) (laughs) So it's fun to pontificate. Great, great topic. Uh, appreciate you bringing a good one. Again, it was ill researched, uh, from both of our (laughs) ends. So please do not cite this in any of your official resources, but as always, it was fun to to chit chat and as always we have a segment an officially recurring segment on the podcast yeah. where i ask mr jared the history buff a question about the past and he just enlightens me every single time um on the theme of sad uh and the theme of recessions <laughs> tell me something about the great depression that maybe i wouldn't know uh much about what is uh that time frame what's like an interesting history fact um that's a little bit tough, you know, because... Because I usually throw you to history long ago. How about history, like, not even 100 years ago? Yeah, so this is interesting. Um, I guess in the fact of, like, I don't know that much about the Great Depression itself. I know some things. Uh, one fun fact is that um, that during the Great Depression... 
there was actually a, a, a slight risk of a communist revolution in the United States. Um, a large number of veterans of the First World War uh, were not being paid their pensions. Uh, they're like some of their payments uh, were like very late. And there was a big gathering of like these veterans in DC, like right by the Capitol that were very upset um, and a little bit rowdy. Um, and in the end that got inver uh, averted, that didn't happen. That's an interesting fact. Um, but I think I'd like to redirect the conversation from that, you know, there's that one little fun fact, but uh, when I think about the Great Depression being from Nebraska, uh, I think about the Dust Bowl in particular, uh, which obviously Nebraska is not the centerpiece of the Dust Bowl. Nebraska is kind of on the fringe, but uh, my grandma, who is still alive, going on 101, going on 102. Damn. Uh, she lived through the Dust Bowl and actually remembers quite a bit of it, a lot of that. Um, wow. But one fun fact is uh, during the Dust Bowl, a lot of uh, people in kind of Congress and on the East Coast were v extremely hesitant to provide any funding uh, for researching what exactly was going on or ways to stop this um, kind of depletion of topsoil um, and this drought in the Midwest, uh, particularly, I guess, the South Great Plains. Um, and so they didn't really want to do it. They almost like just didn't acknowledge it was happening. Uh, but then there was an extremely strong dust storm. I think it was in the mid thirties, uh, which actually blotted out the sky in Washington, DC in New York city, uh, like dust blown from Oklahoma, Texas, Nebraska, Kansas blew all the way across the country and like littered the steps of the Capitol. And like, it was like on that day or like in that week that they passed funding for um, a whole variety of things to help combat uh, the, what we now call the Dust Bowl, but like the great drought in the thirties um, and the effects wow. on, on the Midwest. So that's just a, one one fun fact not i mean it's related to the great depression obviously like the yeah. the the wheat bust um after in the late 20s um and 30s was correlated with the depression but um i'll give you i'll give you that i'll i'll, I'll sidestep you uh hey no that that was a good one i you saved yourself i'll have to say because that first fact you gave i knew that one that was the first fact really ever ever that you had said where i was like you're going with it i'm like oh i cannot wait to blow his mind and then you sidestepped me and you gave me something i didn't know so you saved yourself we're on In the spirit of the nba finals strong. i broke your ankle <laughs> you really did you crossed me up every yeah. episode every time and you're keeping That's the street where, going i'm impressed where'd you did you hear that uh fact in uh high school history class it must have been i i couldn't tell you where i've learned that but yeah i remember here remember reading once or hearing once about like this kind of like interesting rise of like communism or between like the worst first and second world war um yeah i guess I, i'll give it to you i didn't know it was because that veterans weren't getting paid their pension that was an interesting piece um so i, I i'd give that to you i didn't know that part of it but yeah well, I mean, it's very complex. It's not obviously there's a lot of social movements during that time, but uh, uh -huh. we that could be a whole episode, the, maybe someday. For the sake but, of the pod, yeah. For the sake of yeah. the pod, yeah, it'll be it'll be good. But I guess that's uh, that kind of concludes us concludes this episode. So um, until possibly a more regularly scheduled episode um, for the next <laughs> one, we'll see. Uh, but uh, 
we're always yeah, so optimistic thinking. at the end. Every time we're always like, you know what? Regularly scheduled this time, baby. Let's go. And then uh, well, we're we'll, so we'll excited. See you next Tuesday we're excited takes. to go again. That's right. So that's right. But uh, yeah, I guess yeah. Thank you everyone for listening. It's uh, it's it's great to be back. Season three, <laughs> unprompted for a hundred years. This is, that's this right, is baby. Let's let's keep it going. Now, thanks for listening, yeah. folks. Uh, see you next time. All right. See you guys.